0: Okay, we are in Colossians chapter 3, and we're going to um, work down through verse 17. The book kind of takes a uh, little bit of a turn. Let's see, we have four seats right here. There we go. And actually four up there too. All right, Um, we're in Colossians chapter 3 and we're going to finish go through 17 after this it gets extremely practical Um, uh, instructions to individual groups of people wives husbands children masters, servants and then it ends with some conclusions so we'll be finishing up colossians at the end of end of january Um, we're a little off schedule with the other classes um, but that's because i kind of go through at the speed that i need to and so um after that, we'll either go back to Exodus or do something else after that. And, of course, some of you will want to be going to some of the other classes, and that's, that's fine. Um, that's why we have a lot of classes, so that's good. Um, chapter 3 of Colossians talks about how it is that we are supposed to live as Christians. Um, first part of the book, of course, talks about the heresy and the problems with heresy and what not to be. Um, and gives us a foundation for how we view Jesus Christ, then talks about what we're not supposed to do to live the Christian life. speaks specifically of, of legalism and asceticism. So setting up rules or treating your body harshly, or mysticism, finding some new knowledge that helps us live better for Jesus Christ. And it, it's not there. we're not supposed to do that. And then he switches our attention to what we should be doing. And in Colossians one, or three, one through four, he says, set your affections on the things above. Switch our focus, put our focus on um, on what's, what's the true reality for a Christian. That we, our life, we have died and our life is hidden with Christ, with God in Christ. That um, we're to set our affections on what is above and to set our thoughts on what is above. And what is above is that Jesus Christ is at the right hand of the Father interceding for us, that we have his righteousness. He died for us and he lives for us. And that is where our thoughts are supposed to be and that's where our desires are supposed to be. Jesus, of course, talks about that. And then we talk about what it is that we're supposed to put off. And the things that we're to put off are in chapter three, starting at verse five, put to death what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness. And then it talks about that we must put these things away, anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk. And so that we talked about as well. And then last week, we looked at what we're to put on Um, In other words, what is the attitudes that we're supposed to have as we go through life? And so we had a number of them from last week. Let me go ahead and list those. There we go. Um, You may remember them from last week. These were the things that we were to put on. We were to put on compassionate hearts. And we were to put on kindness and humility and uh, meekness or gentleness. Uh, Compassion and kindness kind of are lumped together. Um, Compassion is when your heart goes out to somebody who is in need. Kindness is when you actually do something about it. You can be kind without being compassionate. Sometimes we get guilt tripped into doing things, right? Uh, you've got the guy there ringing the bell and you walk by and you put money in when you really don't want to. Okay? You're being com- kind without being compassionate. You can be compassionate without being kind. James talks about that, that. We see our brother in need and we say be warmed and filled and we do not help them. Uh, they should go together. Uh, humility is when you're thinking of others as more important than yourselves. Humility isn't necessarily thinking down about yourself, but it's thinking about other people before yourself. Very, very difficult to do. A uh, gentleness was where we're dealing with um, power under control. And the picture, of course, is of a horse that's been broken. Um, a horse, very powerful animal, but is able to be controlled with just a bit in his mouth. Um, for us most of the time power under control has to do with the way you speak, right? I mean very few of us would physically power our way through something. But we have to be careful because the way we speak to somebody can destroy them. Right? I mean that's what James says, the tongue is a fire, we're warned against. Often you have this whole list of the horrible sins that are out there, adultery and murder and and sexual immorality and then what's almost always included in the list slander. slander and gossip the way that we talk about people the way we talk to people and that's why in galatians it talks about even a church discipline when you have somebody that needs to be corrected needs to be done gently we have to be careful with our words so all of these are outward focus and as was pointed out last week Jesus models these perfectly for us. We're really looking at who our life should be like. It should be like Jesus Christ. The next one in this list in Colossians is patience. Um, So it says, uh, put on compassionate hearts in verse 12, kindness, humility, meekness, or gentleness, and patience. Um, So uh, we understand patience, let me get my notes out here. Um, Understand patience, the word patience here actually means long suffering. And really the idea behind patience is the idea that we can be wronged without retaliation. Um, somebody can do something to you that is wrong and you do not retaliate against that person that would be the idea of patience or long-suffering okay a couple of verses on that jump back to Romans chapter 10 I I think this is probably the classic passage when it deals with this uh, Romans chapter 10 Uh, uh, excuse me Romans 12 I don't know what I was thinking Romans 12. It says, uh, by the way, very similar passage. It's a parallel passage to this one in a lot of senses. But go to um, verse uh, 17. Uh, Repay no one evil for evil. That would be the retaliation. But give thought to what is honorable in the sight of all. If possible, so far as depends on you, live peaceably with all men right? Jesus Christ is patient. Um, Jesus Christ is patient and he does not retaliate when he was wronged. Um, As he goes to the cross, he could have called 10,000 angels. He could have asked God to avenge him at that point, but he endured with patience the the road that was laid out before him, it says in Hebrews. one other passage, and I'll let you make some comments on here, those of you who want to. If you go to First 1 Timothy 1.16, interesting verse on, on patience. <coughs> um, Paul was talking about himself, and he says, uh, 1 Timothy 1.16, But I received mercy for this reason, that in me... As the foremost, Jesus Christ might display his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. Um, Paul says that what Jesus did for him demonstrated perfect patience. Paul, of course, was persecuting Jesus Christ, right? We say he was persecuting the church. We mentioned this before, but he's persecuting Christ because when Christ meets him on the road to damascus what does he say saul saul why are you persecuting me you're persecuting me not just the church you're persecuting me why are you doing that jesus had the ability to knock him off of his horse blind him do you think jesus had the opportunity the ability to kill him at the same point no problem that would have been easy but instead, he claims him for himself. He's being wronged without retaliation. Now, I, I think it's important to just mention something. Um, God is patient, but his patience is not um, infinite. It's long-suffering. The idea is that we, event, we allow God to, to execute judgment. Judgment does come. Vengeance does come. God avenges. But that's not our place, right? We leave that in the hands of the Father. Um, that our job is to be patient with those who are around us because that's what God was. A- any comments on, on patience? Oh, we have... Everybody's got it all under control. Everybody's... Pa- no, I know. No, no, I'm probably afraid to say anything.
1: Is um, revenge the same as retribution?
0: It, yeah, it would be... Um, the same idea. Yeah. Christians are not to be revenge, vengeful and we're not to be taking retribution on our enemies. Go ahead, Joseph.
1: There's an instance in, uh, in Second Samuel where, uh, it's a, probably a really good practical example of it for, for us, where um, the man was calling out curses against David. Um, and his response was basically, um, you know, the... So you know, there was a call for retaliation. Basically, what if God says would curse me because I actually did something? Who so might we'll, we'll, we'll do something against that
0: guy? Yeah.
1: Like this could actually be in response to something I did wrong.
0: And David is the king at that point. Yeah. Coming, well, he's being chased out of Jerusalem at that point. <gasps> yeah. But still, the king.
1: Yeah, but uh, he, had, he had every right. He had every right. He, had a, he, he could have done it without without actual temporal consequence uh, of, of anything because he was in that position. Yeah. He, he had an army with him. It wouldn't have, wouldn't matter. Uh, but he showed that that restraint that long suffering while even unjustly being uh, but you also have jesus in the Mount, you know turn
0: the other cheek yes and forgive um 70 times seven yeah any other comments on forgiveness i mean on patience um i i think um we're going to continue to talk a little bit about patience here in um, the passage, it goes on, and I think there are, and th- different people break this up different ways, but I think that the next two things are an example of where our patience is manifest. So the first one, it says, be uh, patience, bearing with one another, if one has a complaint against each other, uh, another, and forgiving each other, as the Lord has forgiven you, so, also, so you all must also forgive. Yeah. So in a sense, um, I think you can look at patience in terms of forbearance, where we're bearing with one another and forgiveness. Uh, Both of these (coughs) ideas fall under patience. If you're patient with people, you will be forbearing. You will overlook the things that they do that bother you, the things that they do that rub you wrong. If you are patient with them, you will forgive them, which means where they have deliberately harmed you. And I I see a difference between these two. Uh, Forbearance, look, we're people, right? We live with each other, we come to church. You don't like everybody at church. Well, maybe you do. Maybe you do. Maybe you're a wonderful person and you get along with everybody. But there's always people that rub you wrong. And we are to be forbearing. We're to be overlooking those things. We're to be loving them regardless. Um, We don't live among perfect people. And we need to be patient with them and forbearing. Um, And we need to be forgiving. When people are doing things to us, harming us, Um, By the way, forgiveness, the idea is that somebody did this to you on purpose. Um, Forbearing is when we're forgiving somebody or letting something slide where they didn't do it on purpose. Forgiveness is where somebody has actually harmed you and they need you to say, "I I forgive you. Does that make sense, the difference between those two? Okay. Rod's thinking about it.
1: I mean, it might be easier to think of it as forgiveness as a transaction, like it's like like the forgiveness we have with Christ and the cross being a payment for the sins. Yeah. It's a forgiveness of a debt.
0: <laughs> yeah. Go ahead, Rod.
1: Well, When Christ was being
2: nailed to the cross, he says, "Lord, forgive them, for so they knew not what they do."
0: Yeah. Well, they they knew what they were doing. They didn't realize the the true consequence of what they right. were doing. The, yeah.
2: the consequence of, the, of their actions is not a, they did not understand that. Yeah. And yet, know, a word, I mean, if Christ is being killed and he's telling us to ask for their forgiveness, um, I guess that, that's a, a great example for us to be extremely forgiving, even though we're not being killed.
0: You know, yeah. Like well, and that, oh, we didn't put this on here, but how does it tell us to forgive? I as Christ has forgiven you. Uh, This is a really high bar, okay? A forgiveness as Christ has forgiven us. It's worth a little time thinking about that. Uh, Yeah, yeah, it's not an option, right? And actually it isn't in the New Testament. Um, Jesus says in the Gospels if you don't forgive others my father won't forgive you which is a a terrifying um, thought Um, and I I don't want to go into theology of that I'm just telling you that's what Jesus says we we are called upon to forgive how many times are we called upon to forgive 70 times 7 or 7 times 70 which if you're keeping count you're not forgiving (laughs) right um, how, how does Jesus? Oh, go ahead, Darla. Well, since you mentioned that too, um,
3: in First Corinthians, it talks about how love doesn't keep a record of wrongs. So there's that, and then part of being a Christian is loving what, like loving a brother more than you love yourself. So if you don't forgive somebody, can you say that you really love them? And if you don't love someone, then you're not really keeping their command. So it's really all just
0: yeah, and in fact, we're going to get to that in a second. Maybe I'll, I'll throw it out, and then we'll, just because it fits so perfectly with what you've just said. The next thing here in Colossians is says, and above all things put on love, which binds everybody together in perfect harmony. Um, the, the idea there is above all or over all, and, and the picture of it the, as I studied through this week, the, probably the best picture is that the idea is we're to be putting on these things. The, the clothes that they wore were loose flowing clothes, the tunic, and the last thing you put on was your sash. Right? And the purpose of the sash was to pull it all together and to hold it all together. The, the sash goes over everything else. And so when they talk about girding up your loins, you grab the, you know, so that you don't trip, you grab that up and put it into your sash, but the sash holds it all together. In other words, um, the picture is that this is love, right here. Y- you wanna know what it means when Jesus says, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another well. It means that we're compassionate and kind and humble and gentle and patient, forbearing and forgiving each other. This is the picture of New Testament love. So when Darla said, if we don't forgive, we're not loving. Yes, because love and forgiveness are linked together. If we're not forbearing, if we're irritable all the time with people around us, we're, we're not loving them. If we're not gentle and humble and kind and compassionate, we're not really loving. And honestly, there's not one of you in this room who's looking at that list and says we have it all together, right? I hope. Most of us are looking and going, wow, we've got a long ways to go. And that's where we go back. This doesn't come about through legalism. It doesn't come about through treating our body harshly. It comes about by opening ourselves up to being guided by the Holy Spirit, to setting our affections on the things which are above, uh, putting on is the idea of yielding your life to Holy Spirit, because think about what the fruit of the spirit is. Let's just list them. Fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, which we're getting to. Patience which was there. Kindness, gentleness. Self-control. Did I miss humility? Faithfulness, Thank you. Faithfulness, self-control. It's, it's this picture here. This comes as fruit of the Spirit. We don't generate this. You can try really hard to do this for a while, and eventually you can try and put up with people for a while, and forgive people for a while, and eventually you just lose it. And say, I, on your own strength, I can't do that anymore. Um, go ahead, Rod.
2: Interesting. Those personalities. And you can see the intensity in some of those personalities. And you can see that, that the self-control issue, the forbearance issue, probably is something they didn't have, and that's what took them over the edge in committing the crimes that put them there. Yeah. And yet that same drama, that same uh, type of personality drives them in their relationship to the lord and many times they're not gentle and kind and patient with other prisoners who don't see things quite the way they do
0: yeah a lot of yeah it's 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 interesting there's a lack of humility a lack of gentleness although they'll say they're being gentle and a lack of kindness a lack of patience and all those things manifest themselves and it becomes a really difficult situation. It becomes prison. Many of those yeah. guys are in there
2: because they took uh, judgment into their own hands. They were offended and they retaliated.
0: Yeah. Let me, let me just um, come, come back to this because we kind of got sidetracked. Forgive as Christ has forgiven us. Um, I know we've already said it, but um, you you go through even in the Old Testament, Psalm 103, as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our sins from us. Um, He'll take our sins and cast them into the depths of the ocean, another picture out of the Old Testament. In the New Testament, Jesus on the cross, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they're doing. Um, they, they knew they were nailing him to the cross. They, they knew that, but they didn't understand that they were killing the Lord of, of glory. Um, talking with the disciples and asking them to forgive. We have the picture of ultimate forgiveness in Hebrews. Because once he had made sacrifice for sins, he sits down. There's no more sacrifice for sins. The sins have been covered. They've been paid for. Um, we oftentimes do a very partial forgiveness um, in two ways. The first way is we sometimes have trouble forgiving somebody if we think they did it to us on purpose. Um, uh, C.S. Lewis, I mentioned this before, but C.S. Lewis has an article on forgiveness where he says he'll hear people talk. He was listening to people talk, and they say, uh, essentially, but that person did it on purpose. He deliberately lied to me. He said, yes, that's why he needs forgiveness. He said, what we often do is we look for an excuse for a reason why the person did it. And if we can come up with an excuse, then we'll say we forgive them. But he said, we're really not forgiving at that point. We are excusing. He said, we do that to God too. We come to God and we say, yeah, God, I, let's just pull out anger. I got really mad this week at, at my wife. But you know, if she hadn't done this, I wouldn't have gotten mad at her. Well, what have you just done? You're not asking for forgiveness, you're asking for understanding. God, here's the reason I did what I did, now forgive me. He said, the essence of forgiveness is to come to somebody and say, I did this, I did it on purpose, I meant to hurt you, will you forgive me? And. If we can't say yes to that, then we are not forgiving as Christ <laughs> forgives us. Because uh, we are, our sin is open and direct rebellion toward God. And there's not an excuse for it. And he said sometimes when we ask for forgiveness, we're not really asking for, for forgiveness. We're asking for understanding. And then we project that onto other people. If I can understand why you did it, I'll forgive you. If I can't understand it, I'm not forgiving you. But that's not how Christ forgives. So this is a a pretty important one. Christ forgives us knowing exactly what we did with all of our flaws. He puts up with us. And the best example of that is that he put up with Peter, right? (laughs) All through those years with Peter saying all those dumb things, and Jesus forbears with his disciples. And he forgives us for everything that we've done um, without needing an excuse as to why we did it. So... Um, that's a hard thing to do, but we spent a lot of time when we were going through Philemon talking about forgiveness. So uh, we're going to move on from there. And
3: just so quickly, on top of that, if, so on top of ask Christ forgive us, we have to think about the fact that we'll commit the same sin over and
0: over and over again. I think that's just you, Darla. Oh, okay.
1: <laughs>
3: <laughs> we need to move on, then we can be done with it. But that's not how I am as a sinner. I'll just do the same thing over and over again. I feel like, thank you, Lord, for forgiving me. People are the same as other
0: people. So, I very good. I'm glad you said that. Yeah. We sometimes will say, well, and that's probably the point of the seven times seventy. Somebody is going to continue to do the same thing to us, and we draw the line at some point. Usually after two right? is the second time you did that. That's it. I'm not forgiving you anymore. So very good. Any other comments on this? There's actually more to this passage, so I, I want to try and finish it here before we're... Okay. Um, this is a picture of what, what our life is supposed to look like. <laughs> what comes next, I think, is moving into some internal attitudes that should be present with us and they start in verse 15 it says let the peace of Christ rule in your heart to which indeed you were called in one body and be thankful let the word of Christ dwell in you richly teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thanksgiving thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Um, There's a number of things that are mentioned there, but I think these are more what's taking place inside of us that allows us to do this. And uh, I'm going to put this one first, thankfulness. Did you catch that? How many times is thankfulness mentioned as you go through there? it's mentioned with each one let peace of, the peace rule with thankfulness and honest one with thankfulness and then thankfulness uh, do everything um, to the glory of God the attitude of a Christian is thankfulness <laughs> second it says let peace rule and actually the peace of Christ right let the peace of Christ we'll put that whole thing down and let the word of God, actually word of Christ, right? The word of Christ dwell. Um, And then underneath here, I think there's two things that go along with this, admonish, uh, well I shouldn't say two things, teach and sing. When the word of Christ is dwelling in us richly, these things will be part of our lives. And then finally, uh, whatever you do, do all in the name of Christ. Okay. Um, let's 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 start with the peace of Christ and ruling. We'll come back to thankfulness. Um, not and simply because thankfulness goes all the way through there. The, the word peace has really two different ideas behind it. One of them is the absence of conflict, right? If we are at peace with somebody, we're not at war with them. And the second idea is contentment, that you're free from anxiety. So, And I think both of them are involved here. Although it may be that Paul's only referring to one. But peace means the absence of conflict. And it also has the idea of uh, freedom from anxiety. Or probably a more positive way to say that would be contentment. Right? If somebody's at peace, they're content. So there's peace, there's no anxiety. But if somebody's peace, there's no war that's taking place. What I found interesting on this is this word here. What does it mean to rule?
2: Let it dominate you. Let it, uh, let it ultimately, I would say, you, Let it take you over.
0: Okay. What does a king do? A king, a king rules. Was that to be in control. Let peace be in control. Um, John MacArthur uses the idea that peace is the umpire. The umpire rules the game. When you have a decision to make, this is actually a pretty powerful thought, when you have a decision to make, let, let peace be what determines the decision. Now what do I mean by that? Well one of the things that sin does is puts us at odds with God when you sin you rob yourself of peace we know from Romans that because of the sacrifice of Christ we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ Um, and although we'll always be at peace with God when you sin you've now started a conflict sin always robs us of peace so uh, an, an, uh, sin, peace acts as an umpire. Um, when you begin to worry about the future, this is a different aspect of it, that robs you of peace. And Philippians tells us what to do, right? It says, in everything with prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known to God. And what? The peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Some of you are very, very worried about the future. Let peace rule in your heart. How do you let peace rule in your heart? You take it to the Father in prayer. And you pray through it. You turn it over to Him. Why? Because He is sovereign. When I am making a decision that will cause conflict with somebody around me, one of the people here, in this room or in my family. We come back over to here. Am I forbearing, am I forgiving? And if not, let peace rule. This is something I overlook or something that I put up with or something that I, well, forgive, so that there is peace between you and me. Let peace rule. Um, It's actually a really powerful thought because oftentimes we're so wrapped up in what's just good for me right now that we don't think about that. But the, the goal is for peace to be ruling in us. A Christian should be at peace with God. He should be at peace with the future, what's coming. And he should be at peace with the people around him. And our decisions will be different if we're determining that peace is going to rule in our hearts. Somebody had a comment here. Rod? I personally don't always
2: uh, start out with any peace anywhere in my body. It just seems like I've got to come into the Lord and recognize.
0: You know, I don't think we instantly have peace, but that's why I liked the empire analogy. When we start to make a decision, if you can train yourself to think through, is this going to keep me at peace with God, at peace with, with my own contentment, at peace with the people around me? If we can begin to train ourselves to do that, and the Holy Spirit, of course, has to be part of that because peace is the fruit one of the fruit of the Spirit. Um, or p- not part of the fruit of the Spirit, then then that begins to dominate who we are. If everybody was doing this, then the, the rest of it is sort of academic, letting peace rule in our hearts. Joseph? It's,
1: it's interesting because it requires a, an amazing balance. Um, so if you look at Christ's life and his peacefulness with the people around him, um, it was never a sacrificing of what honored God for the sake of peace, peaceableness with men. So the uh, the idea it it can't be unless we're going to accuse Christ of being less than a fulfillment of this. Uh, it can't be um, where I don't speak up when it's time to. Um, the only true peace you can have is peace with God, I and mean, you'll have peace with others if they have peace with God as well. Yeah. But, but if we're considered, you know, uh, if we're constantly at war with the world, as Paul would put it, um, then then it's not a uh, it's not a like temporary everybody likes what's being said peace, but but. Truly, first being aligned with God and the peace in that way. Um, and then you can share that with people who have that, but oftentimes, to have this, you're not going to have some of this.
0: Yeah, and, and I'm glad you mentioned that because it could be peace at all costs, yeah. and that's not the case. So, Paul says that as, uh, as, as far as possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. And Peter talks about that as well, that um, we're to live at peace. Um, as, as far as it depends upon us. He doesn't put it in those words. But, but our job is to live faithful to what God has told us. And if that causes friction, that's, that's a whole different issue. Otherwise, there would be no persecution of, of Christians ever. So thank you for that. Um, you know, I was thinking of a verse, and I, I should have looked it up. Some of you probably have it memorized. Uh, and I know it out of the King James. He will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Anybody know where that reference is? I'm, 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 I'm pretty sure it's a Bible verse. <laughs> I'm wondering if it came out of a song. It could be from a song, but I think it's a verse. Um, God will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. And I think that goes then to this next one. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Um, we are to be people where the word of God, the word of Christ, uh, what, is it? what is it? Isaiah 26.3. Isaiah 26.3. Very good. Isaiah 26.3. All right. Isaiah 26.3. We should put that up here. All right. I love Bible apps. People have them on their <laughs> phone. They can find verses so quick. It's wonderful. Um, now, let the we're we're running out of time here, but let the word of Christ dwell in you. Notice this. Not just dwell in you, dwell in you richly. Um, the key is to be saturated with the word of God. To to have it not just up here, but dwelling in us, living in us, and living in us richly. It is not a visitor, it is um, being provided for you're, you're setting the banquet for them you're, you're setting out a table for them you're giving them the best room that would be the idea of dwelling with somebody richly um, uh, if we don't know the Word of God you're probably not having your mind stayed upon him you probably can't do this and you probably can't be thankful the, the Word of God has to be in us and dwelling in us and then because of that changing our thinking. And that only comes by knowing God's word. Um, Paul, uh, David talks about that in Psalms, right? How shall one young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to his word. Um, the idea of meditating on God's word which we talked about before. Um, this is not something you can do by reading a verse every day. This is somebody who saturates themselves with the Word of God. Um, I, I see it, and I'm, he's not here, so I won't embarrass him here, but um, I see this in David Morris. I don't know if you've ever talked with David, but I, I can actually see him filtering through what you're saying. It's almost like what's going through is going through um, his understanding of God's Word. Uh, the Word of God dwells in him richly. And because of that, his actions are different. And he thinks about things that way. Um, so the encouragement would be, this is one where we actually can take some action. You, you, you need to spend time in God's Word. You need to, to, to um, be listening to the Word of God. You need to be reading the Word of God. What's interesting here is that when the word of God dwells in us, we share it with other people. That's the idea of the admonishing, teaching, and singing. Um, it, we, we are people who will then share the word of God. It bubbles out of us onto other people and, 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 and affects the people around us. So the people around us are affected by God's word as well. Rod. You're saying
2: that I can read the Word of God, if I don't want the Word of God to dwell richly in me, it's not going.
0: To. That's right. And there are people who know, I, you've probably met them, people who know God's Word forward and backwards and have no relationship with God, and it's all entirely academic. Uh, that's not letting the Word of God dwell in you richly. Um, And all of us, I think, would feel convicted that we could do, that we could do more. Yeah.
2: I think my biggest problem is my
0: opinion <coughs> Yeah.
1: How do, you, how do you erase that? How do you get that to go
0: away? You know what? That's just a matter of time and allowing God's word to control. If the word of God says it, then that determines the, the, the way that we respond. That, that's just a matter of, that's just a matter of time allowing God's word to do its work because it will and actually to be obedient to it as well uh, uh, it's one thing to have it the idea is that we're letting peace rule the the word of God dwelling in us controls the way that we act we we have to be in obedience to it or it's not going to dwell in us richly
1: well, it's like, uh, I think you used to with David Morris looking at everything scripture right scripture being the de- defining of my Your opinion does not match up with the Word of God, it does not mean anything. It's useless, in fact, it might even be dangerous.
2: Well, in my problem with yeah. opinion is
1: just yeah. looking at people and performing yeah. opinion. Yes. They don't well, have a problem with God. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> that just happened to be the exact same version I used with them. That wasn't, that wasn't directed to right. me. That needs to be the way we, we look at things, how it performs us to. that we, cause we, ha- we we bring um, a lot of uh, a lot of our uh, world to the scripture and sometimes we, we find ways of validating it with the scripture right so I'll give you like a, like a really big one that, that sometimes people have a hard time reconciling, which is like patriotism versus what biblical Christianity is they think that you you if you went to a church and said we're gonna get rid of these two flags one of them was the, like the Christian flag and the other one was the the, uh, the American flag I've seen them be more up in arms about the American flag than the one that's supposed to represent what they say they believe. Um, and that doesn't make any sense. Because it's not putting Christ first. I, I'm as patriotic about America as Paul was about Rome. And I can't see any fault on Paul for that. So uh, so I move forward there. But then a lot of times we, we don't put the Bible first. We put how we were raised and our culture. It gets in between how we sh- where we should start with Scripture.
0: Yeah. I think you're you're referring to something slightly different—the way you deal with people—and—and and if you're talking about how we deal with people, remember that everybody's looking at you the same way, right? The the point is is that we are all, um, we're all people who have flaws and faults and and need forgiveness and need love and and God asks us to show that to everybody. So, let me let me finish. I know we're almost out of time. Um, This one right here, the reason I put it at the top, it runs all the way through there. That is one of the primary attitudes of the Christian is thankfulness. And it flows from the fact that we trust God for everything, for our instruction and for our uh, contentment. Um, We are to be thankful people. And something that I have learned over the years, and a lot of this had to do with something that, it's actually, uh, April is very influential for me in this. When she was battling through a really serious issue many years ago, the question was, what am I thankful for? And it wasn't until we reached a point where we were able to be thankful for the, what had happened, which was a bad thing, that finally peace came. Um, In other words, a lot of times we say, well, I can be thankful in a circumstance, but I can't be thankful for the circumstance. But I think as Christians, we're thankful for everything that comes into our lives, hard as that may be. And I'm not just saying that there's actually a passage of scripture that that deals with that. Go back to Ephesians chapter five. This is almost a parallel passage to this passage. (coughs) Starting at verse 15 um, says, look carefully then how you walk. So Ephesians five fifteen, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is and do not get drunk with wine for that is debauchery, but be filled with the spirit addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Now watch the next verse. Giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Submitted to one another out of the reverence of Christ. Um, Until we are at a place where we can say thank you God for the things that come into my life. Even things that right now may seem really bad. God is going to use, isn't he, everything that comes into your life to make you like him? Do we...
3: And I saw the thankfulness, because I knew I'm one of six, and out of six of us, I knew I was going to be okay, because I had cracks, and I had that understanding, and they didn't And so I was thankful that God put that tragedy in my life to let me know, hey, I gave an earthly father and he's a good one, but one day he's going home, so you're going to be okay even when that's palm. And so it was it was even though like you said it was a heart issue, something other people would be like, my sisters think I'm crazy but I was thankful for the situation. But I could see the good in it. I saw the message God was sending me.
0: Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. And our situation was something like that where it would be easy to say, well I can think of good things that'll come out of it. But at some point being able to say, no, I'm thankful that this happened. And by the way, that took a lot of prayer and a lot of study and a lot of lack of peace before finally we came to the point of being able to say we're thankful for what happened. The point is, is that this puts God in absolute control in our life. If we're not thankful, I don't know if the peace of God is ruling. I don't know if the word of Christ is truly dwelling richly within us we're where it's 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 a difficult thing, but that's what we're called upon to be as thankful people. A couple more. We're almost out of time. Or actually, we're over time. But the teacher in me says that the bell has already rung and my kids have to get to class. But um, go ahead, run.
2: I take that to mean that my mind can be futile if I haven't first started thanking God. Yeah. Even, even as a believer.
0: Because it, it actually goes to the heart of the sovereignty of God. That what's coming into our lives, he's either putting there or allowing there for a purpose. And once we pull that out, God is no longer truly sovereign over us. Um, lastly here, do this all in the name of, of Christ are um, uh, n- none of this makes sense without understanding what it is that we live for uh, we live to give glory to God we give glory to God when he conforms us to the image of his son and when that happens then because we are who we are supposed to be we finally have the joy that is set before us. That the, 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 the goal is to be like our Savior. And the goal is to bring, do everything for His glory. And since that's what you were made for, that's the reason that God created you. It's not until that happens that we find this, that we are truly thankful that we're able to have peace rule and the Word of God dwell in us richly. So, um, we have to go back to the beginning principle. We were made for a purpose to glorify God. We were made for a purpose to be God's child and look like Jesus Christ. And, And that should dominate the thinking that we have. Everything should be done for him, so. All right, so that's a good passage to meditate on this week. Good passage to memorize, actually. Um, If you want the word of Christ to dwell in you, richly start with this passage. Memorize it and and read it. Think over it to yourself. This is what we are to look like. Let's go ahead and, yeah. Being thankful for everything is not easy. No, it is not easy at all. and and that's what i'm saying it doesn't the 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 harder it is to be thankful for it the longer it takes and the more god works but the person who says i will not be thankful for that is the one who isn't god isn't going to be able to do the work um and i i guess that's the the point is to work toward thankfulness and when it comes it's a work of god Um, so even even this everything in here you can say okay I'm going to go, and I'm going to try really hard this week to be thankful. <laughs> well, that's a great goal, but unless it is generated by being um, by the Holy Spirit, it's not going to happen. And and when it does happen, when you find yourself thankful for something that came into your life that was truly terrible, that there's a deepening of the relationship with Jesus Christ because of that. And was that? because you've submitted to him and and in something that's really, really hard to do, so. Okay, let's thank you, June, for sharing that.